We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Yeah, I just went out there and did what Swaggy P do. <laughs> Teammates played great, and we um, came out with the victory, you know? I'm just trying to really get my, my NBA 2K rating up. You know, it's 12.02 right now. If they want to fire me at 12.05, I'll go home and find something to do. I'll have a good day. Welcome to the Road to Wire NBA podcast. Today is Tuesday, July 30th. Nick Whalen back with James Anderson. James, last week we did part one of our annual NBA over under win total picks. We focused on the Eastern Conference. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead. You, you were the one to suggest this. I'm going to say great idea by you to split this up into two podcasts. In the past, we've done it all in one. We've gotten typically about an hour in and realized that we've only talked about like nine teams. And it was really nice in, in part one to just kind of space everything out for those 15 teams in the East. We'll do the same thing now for the Western Conference. Um, we were talking before we, we came on air. There's really no news to even sweep back on at this point. Um, you know, we're, we've kind of finally, I guess, reached that that true dead zone in the NBA where there there haven't even been like low level signings. Well, hey, the Bucks signed week. Dragon Bender. That doesn't count. Uh, that's below <laughs> a low level signing. Um, I guess we could, you know, the Blazers did sign CJ McCollum to a three year, hundred million dollar extension. Um, 
one of those signings where it's like, I didn't even know he was eligible for that. He, he just kind of came out of nowhere, but he's now locked in for five years in addition, you know, five years total, three in addition to the two he was already signed to. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of like Bonzi Colson signing in Turkey, Ian Clark signing in China, uh, Jeremy Lin, as you mentioned before we came on air, um, crying about not being signed, <laughs> things like that. Tyler Harrow taking bizarre <laughs> Twitter and Instagram photos <laughs> at random locations around what accused, appears to be the Cuban district of Miami. Um, but it's nice to, to just be kind of focus on, on what we want to focus on in this podcast. So we'll jump right into it. Uh, the first seven teams by my count, six teams, excuse me, uh, in the NBA uh, going alphabetically are all in the East. So we jump all the way down to letter D. The Dallas Mavericks, 33 wins last season. This one opened at 41 and a half. You are taking the... I'm taking the under, but it's a stay away. I'm starting things off with a with a stay away. I mean, to me, this one, I feel like the range is kind of like 34 to 44 wins, and I wouldn't be surprised at like anything in that range. But I think like 40 to 41 is probably where I think it's most likely to land. So just under the 41 and a half. Uh, I was surprised that Vegas actually came out with this high of a line. I mean. I know there's a lot of excitement around Luka Doncic and and Porzingis, but I mean they only won 33 games last year. I think you can you could expect like I think DeAndre Jordan and Dennis Smith Jr. were negative players for them last year, so like that that might be addition by subtraction, but it's still a pretty shallow roster in terms of guys that are going to positively impact winning. I mean, I I like Delon Wright and Jalen Brunson, but those guys aren't guys that I would want to be one and two on my depth chart at point guard and uh, I mean Justin Jackson Tim Hardaway Jr those aren't guys that that you necessarily want to be given a ton mm-hmm. of minutes to um, I mean they have they have like fun like analytics like Dwight Powell Maxi Kleber like people like those guys but not as guys that are going to be getting 25 mm-hmm. minutes a game a piece so I just it's it's pretty much all on Doncic and Porzingis to just both be awesome and both be pretty healthy to hit that over yeah, I think DeLon Wright even falls into that category you mentioned of guys who, like, you're not going to find anyone who's just, like, super anti-DeLon Wright. Like, it, it does seem like when he's had opportunities, and those have been few and far between, you know, he, he, I think he started a total of, like, seven games for Toronto before coming to Memphis midway through last year. But even in Memphis, like, the counting stats were solid, you know, 12 points, five rebounds, five assists, uh, almost two steals a game. But he only shot 43% from the field, and he was, you know, basically a 25% three-point shooter. Um, and we're talking about a, a small sample, you know, 26 games. But I, I do think that he's really not someone who you can look at as a proven commodity, as more than a backup point guard right now. And, you know, the indication, at least, is that he's probably going to start alongside Doncic. Doncic, you know, still the the primary ball handler, you would think, for this team. They have Jalen Brunson. It's kind of a, a fail save. They added Seth Curry. I like that quite a bit. But you kind of alluded to it, you know, when talking about Hardaway. Like, the the small forward spot and the center spot, um, are still a pretty major concern for me. It's a lot of like good role players, like you mm-hmm. said at center, and, and I think you, the same can be said for small forward. Like I love Dorian Finney-Smith; they re-signed him, but ultimately, what you know, what is he? He's a, a pretty low-level three and D guy who's much more D than he is three. Justin Jackson, not super high on him. Tim Hardaway is just kind of a contract figure at this point, um, and really doesn't strike me as much of a, a Rick Carlisle guy. So this was a really tough one. Definitely a stay away on all accounts. I went over on 41 and a half. They were on a 39 win pace at the halfway point last year. And I wouldn't say they really attempted to tank, but you know, you trade DeAndre Jordan, 
You acquire a guy in Porzingis you know is not going to play the rest of the year. Doncic was banged up. He didn't shoot the ball well down the stretch. Um, it feels like if everybody stays healthy, like you said, I, I agree. 41, 42, 43 wins, very much in play. Um, but I'll take the over and, and kind of bet on that being the case. And they're another team, too, that I think Dallas is ready to get back in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think if they're kind of teetering around 500 at the trade deadline, they're a team that I think could could be one that that tries to make a fairly splashy improvement, you know, and, and kind of jumpstart what's been a fairly a fairly slow rebuild. Do you see a, another like significant step for Doncic in year two? Like, obviously, he was awesome as a rookie. Um, does he just kind of take a small step forward, or does he take like a big step forward into like being in the All Star conversation? I, I think he'll be in the All Star conversation. I mean, I, I think if he was in the East, certainly that would right. be an even stronger conversation. I, I, I wouldn't pick him to be an All Star, mostly because I think there's just too many other guys who are more established and are going to be on better teams. Um, but you know, I, I think that is kind of the argument against Doncic, if there is one right now. You know, people who who are maybe still clinging to not being high on him out of the draft last year. Um, I mean, he had an all time rookie year. There's really no other way to to say it, but if you start, you know, in year one by averaging 21, eight and six, like, where do you go from there? You know, you know, most guys are kind of starting, you know, maybe five or 10 points per game fewer as a rookie. And you work your way up to this. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, he's going to hit a plateau. I mean, we're not going to look up in year four and he's averaging 45 points a game with 15 rebounds and 12 assists. Like, I think I think it's going to come more in terms of efficiency rather than raw numbers. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year, he's a 22, 23 point per game guy. So, you know, only one or two more per game. But Rather than being a 43% shooter with 33% from three, he's a 47% shooter from the field and a 36% shooter from three. So I think it'll be kind of more on the margins or more on the percentages than it will be on the raw stats. I think the big area where he can really improve in the raw stats is just assists. I think that there's a there's room for him to be like an eight or nine assists per game guy in the league, especially just I mean, they've clearly built this roster around him being the primary ball handler, and I think not having to do any of that stupid share with Dennis Smith stuff that they were doing like at the beginning of last year, uh, I think that that'll help his assist assist totals. I think you're right about the efficiency. I mean, I think he can be like the the perfect version of Doncic is just a guy that's averaging like 25 points a game with like eight and eight or mm-hmm. maybe nine and nine and pretty good efficiency. I think that that's attainable i just i'm not sure exactly if we're talking like year three or four like year five when he gets there mm-hmm. uh i actually kind of think the biggest case for the over <clears throat> might just be that this is a team that i think rick carlisle will be able to get the most out of i think it's it's much more of a rick carlisle type of roster than it has been in past years i mean the one guy who really doesn't fit into that is tim hardaway um but i mean i think Carlisle to me is still like an easy top five coach. So if if Doncic and Porzingis stay healthy, I I could totally see him hitting the over. So it's 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 one hundred percent a stay away. But um, I think they're going to be kind of the ninth, tenth, eleventh mm-hmm. place team out west. I don't see this being a playoff team, uh, regardless of where the win total falls. I agree. The Denver Nuggets fifty four wins last season. Um, to me, the deepest team in the league, we'll get into that. Uh, so for that reason, I was surprised that this number uh, opened up at 50 and a half. Yeah, I I said in my notes here that this might be the most confusing line on the high end. I mean, I think uh, you could argue like the Knicks line might be more confusing just in general, but in terms of 
teams with lines that are in like the high 40s, 50s. This one was the most surprising to me. I, I locked in the over. I 100% get that Vegas is looking at like expected win loss and like Denver overperformed their expected win loss total last year. But if you just look at the individual players and like how they did last year versus how, how we expect them to play this year, I mean, Jamal Murray was someone that I thought was going to win most improved player. Like there, he definitely showed flashes of that last year, but he was pretty inconsistent uh, night to night, especially early in the season. They basically got nothing out of Gary Harris last year. I mean, mm-hmm. he was uh, Bill Barton too. Yeah, really. You know, health wise, that was an issue. Just really couldn't get it going when he was healthy. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this team that are coming back who I expect to have significantly better years this year than they did last year. And then you throw in like Michael Porter Jr. Um, you throw in Jeremy Grant. I mean, I think that Bull there's... Bull <laughs> I'm not throwing Bull Bull in. Uh, okay, well, see yourself. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I just... I feel like 50 wins is kind of a floor for a team with Nikola Jokic surrounded by this much depth. So, yeah. uh, really confusing line. I, I, I'm always a little worried when, like, Vegas has a line that I'm just baffled by because it says, yeah. like, there's something they know that I don't know, but... I really think they're just looking at the expected win loss from last year and failing to factor in that they have a lot of players on this roster, like mm-hmm. key players who are going to have much better seasons. I mean, they bring back their top 10 guys in terms of win shares from last year. In a, after a summer where we saw more player movement than ever, you know, I, I think I don't know that I personally would have brought Paul Millsap back, but being able to, I think they're paying him what 20 or 30 million. I think it's 20 million just for next season alone. Um, yeah, that's, a lot to swallow, but if you're not making another major addition, um, I think, you know, and you feel like you can't replace him, that's that's fine. And then they were still able to go get Jeremy Grant. Right. I think that they that contract was just sort of all about like, well, what else are we doing with this money? And it's not yeah. like where we know that it's not like they gave him like a three year extension. I mean, right, this exactly. is probably the last year where Paul Millsap's going to be like a top five player on a top four seed, but. Uh, you get him. I mean, he's he's a key piece on this team just because yes. the stuff that he brings to the table is stuff that nobody else on the roster mm-hmm. really brings to the table. Well, that that deal that they signed him to, which even at the time was a little iffy, you know, it was a two plus one two summers ago. It worked out perfectly. You mm-hmm. know, you get two good years out of him. And then the whole point of having that team option for year three is to say, OK, if we feel like we're on the cusp and we want to bring you back for another run, we have the ability to do so without, like you said, having to hand him a, another you know longer term deal. Uh, so it made sense to bring him back and then, you know, adding Jeremy Grant. To me, they're the deepest team in the NBA, and I, I don't really think it's all that close. There are a couple I, other teams out west. I think the I think the Bucks are in that mix. Sure. I agree. I mean, but, like, a team like Milwaukee has a lot of guys that I like. Your Pat Connaughton's, George Hill, guys like that. Like, Monte Morris was second on this team in win shares last year. Like, they're... They're like seven, eight, nine, ten guys are like legitimately really, really good players. I mean, it's it's almost kind of a Toronto from last year, mm-hmm. I guess, type of situation. Um, the only the only red flag for me, like, I, you know, it's kind of I don't want to lock in a team winning fifty plus games in the Western Conference, but if Jokic doesn't get hurt, I just don't see how that doesn't happen. I mean, we saw certainly not the worst case for injuries last year, but Gary Harris, you know, who you could have argued going into last year was the second best player on this team. Played 57 games. Will Barton, I think, got hurt in the first or second game of the year. Missed half the season. You know, those were two of their top five players coming into last year. And, you know, I, I think those injuries were maybe blessings in disguise for guys like Malik Beasley and Monte Morris to to get some more reps. You maybe, if you're really grasping at straws, you could make the argument that they have too much depth. And it could be a Celtic situation where all of a sudden, 
you know, guys who were Tory Craig, guys who were playing 20 plus minutes for two month stretches last year might have trouble doing that. You throw Michael Porter Jr. into the mix, but all in all, it's, this just doesn't seem like one of those situations to me. And, you know, I think Denver's not going to be my pick to win the finals, but they will be my pick to finish with the number one seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, I, they're my pick for the the one seed. I mean, regular season over postseason for sure with this roster. Mm. I mean, Malik Beasley is is a guy where, I mean, he he's starting on he's a lot good. of teams, and he's not going to start on this team most likely. So um, I get the, the case for them having the most depth. I mean, I think it probably depends whether you want to look at depth as like one through seven or one through 12. Like I, they probably have the most like one through seven depth. Um they, you know, I, I think we've kind of covered it pretty well. They're they're definitely going to win over 50 games if Jokic stays healthy. I think Jokic is one of the better bets just in terms of odds for MVP because, you know, a good place to start there is like, well, what team has the best record? I mean, that mm-hmm. that was part of why Giannis won it. I mean, Giannis wouldn't have won that MVP if they'd won 50 games. You know, he, <laughs> the 60 games played a big role yep. in that. So the fact that this team could win, I mean, I think they could win 60 games if everything breaks oh, yeah. right and then – Jokic is just you know sports writers are in love with Jokic so I mean that that works in his favor as well so um nice dark horse yeah. MVP pick there I think Jamal Murray like he if Jamal Murray has the type of breakout year I think he's capable MVP? of I mean they could they could cruise to 60 wins yeah I I really think that I mean their biggest obstacle is just how tough the rest of the west is I guess you know there's it's we say this every year it seems like but it, there just are not going to be easy wins night to night with that schedule but for the most part it was like that last year you know and they were still able to to pretty easily get into the mid 50s and i mean they were close to a 60 win pace they were neck and neck with the bucks for for the best record in the league for a while there before tailing off a little bit but yeah like you said i mean Jokic for mvp i like that a lot um alex and i actually just put an article on the site earlier today on our favorite futures bets and we both noted that one um and did kind of I wouldn't say in-depth analysis, some analysis mm-hmm. as to why it makes a lot of sense. And that's basically what I said was if they win 60 games and his numbers are maybe even the same or like five or 10% better. Um, I just, I don't see how he doesn't get it in that case. Like you would need a, you know, Giannis would have to top his crazy season last year. The Bucks yeah. probably have to win 60 again. There are a lot of great candidates, but it's just, there's a lot of tiny things that yes. could go wrong with the other candidates where all of a sudden Jokic yes. like wins by default. He has the path of least resistance, I think. Um, the Golden State Warriors, 57 wins last year. Uh, for obvious reasons, this number falls all the way down to 47 and a half. A lot of variables at play here. Which way are you leaning? Well, like I told you uh, when we first started putting these together, to me, this is the hardest line on the entire board because um, I, th- I think people are underrating just how terrible the players on this roster after Curry – uh green russell and clay thompson are i mean you could throw Kevin looney if, in there if you want to but i mean like the fact that alfonso mckinney and maybe like alec burks and eric pascal and jordan Poole and jacob evans i mean these are not guys who should be playing at all on uh playoff teams let, let alone a, a team that <laughs> probably views itself as a finals contender. right like the the talent on this team from like five through ten is just it's it's so bad it's so embarrassingly bad and yet like i think steph curry if if steph curry plays 75 plus games this year i think they would hit that over but i'm going to bet on him not playing 75 plus games so i'm going to take the under but it's a stay away i mean it's just it's all there for steph curry to go win the mvp 
but it's just the amount of um, miles on his body over the past mm-hmm. uh, over this just huge uh, five year title run. I mean, it, it's been so much for a player his stature and he's already a guy that you know has constantly been banged up over these past couple years with just minor things and I kind of think that we could see this get to a point in the season where they sort of wave the the white flag like if if Curry misses enough time before Clay Thompson comes back I mean are they gonna just do everything in their power to get Clay Thompson back as soon as possible to push for like the Mm -hmm. seven or the eight seed i I don't think that makes any sense, but maybe they I, – I don't like the D'Angelo Russell signing at all, too. Like, that's a factor in this. I think there's ways where they could have used those resources to just kind of – like, how were you talked about with, like, the Lakers and building around LeBron and Anthony Davis, like, getting three players instead of one player. Like, if the Warriors had just gotten a bunch of, like, Jay Crowder types and just fill in guys that are going to give them mm-hmm. quality minutes, give them depth, uh, especially on the wing – uh, while Clay's out and that type of thing, if they'd built that way, then I would feel much yeah. better about this team being like a four or five seed. But I mean, you're asking a lot of D'Angelo Russell, and, and I mean, D'Angelo Russell, Steph Curry, they're not good defenders. I mean, Steph Curry does his best, but it's pretty much Draymond Green, yes. and that's it without Clay Thompson. And I, you know, I don't know. It's just there's a lot that yep. could go wrong with this roster. So I'm taking the under, but I do acknowledge that like a, a vintage Steph season probably mm-hmm. gets the over. I will certainly not count this team out. I, you know, yes or no to the playoffs, I would say yes. Um, but I'm going under as well, basically for the reasons you laid out with Steph. Even even when things are going well, even when he's you know the second option with Kevin Durant, he still has found ways to miss 15 to 20 games a season. Um, and the, it, just think about the amount of pressure that's going to be on him from like a workload standpoint this year compared to like the years with KD yeah I think even if Clay Thompson was fully healthy coming into this year there would still be a major adjustment from losing Kevin Durant Mm -hmm. and we're not talking even someone like Jimmy Butler like this is Kevin Durant um someone they've become accustomed to playing with uh for the last three years you know it it wasn't like he was just on the team for a few weeks and they were you know able to readjust like I I think there's going to be an adjustment process no matter what then you throw in the the factor of the Clay injury you know and then having to add someone or integrate someone like D'Angelo Russell, who, frankly, is a pretty tough guy, I think, to integrate for any team. And, you know, I have confidence that the Warriors will will figure it out. And I I think Steph is kind of the easiest guy to slide someone in alongside. But, you know, as you alluded to, defensively, I don't know how that's going to work. And then another team like Dallas that you start looking at the small forward depth chart, who's the fourth starter for this team? Is it Alfonso McKinney? Is it Jacob Evans? Is it Glenn Robinson III? Is it... (laughs) Eric Paschal, you know, a rookie out of Villanova. I don't know. It's one of those guys. There really aren't any other options. Like, you know, they kind of, in order to to make the Russell deal work, which in some ways I think they had to do, you know, you're sacrificing Iguodala, um, you know, you're sacrificing Sean Livingston, which in, in my mind might be addition by subtraction at this point in his career. Um, but on the other hand, if you want to make the the argument for the over, it's that they do okay through the first couple of months. D'Angelo Russell becomes trade eligible and then they flip him to, I don't know, Minnesota for Jared Culver, Robert Covington, and Josh Okoge or something like that. You know, and all of a sudden it's come come early April, it's Steph, it's Clay, it's Robert Covington, it's Draymond Green, and it's Willie Cauley-Stein, and that's a pretty decent starting five. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that that – I'd feel – I will feel a lot better about this D'Angelo Russell signing if they flip him like that. I uh, think they will. I really do. I, I mean, I I think that that's totally in play. Um, but 
like, you know, another aspect of this is a lot of the key pieces that made that offense so fluid and like the passing and the cutting and everything like Andre Godala and Sean Livingston, like they weren't good, like offensive players by anything you could really measure, but they at least like knew everything that was going on and like where the next pass was going and everything like that. Like if you're making someone like Jordan Poole or Alfonso McKinney make all these like decisions and like, uh, fast paced situations, like I, I don't really have much faith in them making the right decision. And, Think how easy, like, I know a lot of teams don't do, like, in-depth game planning on, like, a night-to-night basis in the regular season, but if you just never leave Steph and never leave D'Angelo Russell, how is this team scoring points in the regular season? I yeah. just, I don't know how any of the other guys on that team are going to be able to right. uh, create offense. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because we saw them have, like, a fair amount of success in that kind of scenario against Toronto, you well, know, that, like it was, it was like a grinded out game. It's not something that's sustainable over 82 games, but that was they were Clay, able to win a game in the finals. That was with Clay, but, though. Like, right. I, I think there's a big difference between, um, just like, I, I think Clay is just so underrated. Like he, the amount of like impossible shots he was getting off and making like in that situation, mm-hmm. and the amount of think how much work Steph Curry had to do in those schemes where he was getting doubled yeah. as soon as he crossed half court and still was just running around like crazy. Like there's no way he's going to work that hard in the yeah. half court during the regular season. I mean, it just would make no sense. So I think that there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's enough talent on the roster when we factor in clay for them to hit this over. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I would actually say no on them making the playoffs just because I think, at a certain point in the season, it's just going to make more sense to just kind of say, hey, let's save the miles on these guys. We can really make a push next year. We're going to have Clay healthy. We're going to bring back Draymond Green. Hopefully we trade D'Angelo Russell for more for more depth. But I, I think there's enough talent out west where I would actually pick this team to miss. I really like the addition of Cauley Stein. I thought that was a super underrated pickup. I think he's been pretty good, and nobody has just really watched him because he's been on such bad teams and weird situations. But – a little surprised they didn't add a shooter at center for basically the reasons that you laid out. You know, like if if Steph is on the bench or if Russell's on the bench for that matter, you're all of a sudden you're down to basically one shooter and it's the other one of those two. I would I would be I would honestly consider doubling Steph yes. at all times in the regular season. I just I don't know what the downside is. There's not enough shooting on this team to beat you if you if you just right. double him uh, the entire time he's on the court. Yeah, what does that look like when it's Steph, Alec Burks? <laughs> Alfonso McKinney, Draymond Green, and Willie Cauley Stein on the court, and you double Steph, and it swings to Alec Burks. Then what? You know, like that's these are the situations they're going to be facing constantly. And then what if? And then like we said, what if Steph misses fifteen games? Then what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to be strange. I, I do wonder if they're a JR team by chance. Ooh, that'd actually be kind of fun. Maybe, um, maybe a mellow team. Mellow watch. <laughs> Could you have been mellow and Draymond? <clears throat> um, okay, so we're both under on the Warriors. Houston Rockets, 53 wins last year. This number opens at 53 and a half. They, of course, swap out Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. Mostly the same team around him. Uh, Where are you going on the Houston Rockets, 53 and a half? I'm going to go under. uh, Not a lock or a stay away, but I'd feel comfortable betting the over or the under. I mean, Um, you know, I think that the. I kind of buy that the Westbrook trade raises their regular season ceiling uh but i do think that that trade was 98 percent about 
just getting Chris Paul off the roster and yes. getting Chris Paul's contract off the roster. I don't think that this, no matter what Daryl Morey says, who is like, I feel like he's becoming fairly unlikable, uh, kind of akin to like Joe Madden in baseball, where he used to just be this like cool guy that did kind of funky stuff. And like, he's just, he's so sort of cocky and just bold faced with his lies mm-hmm. uh, that, that like, it's just like, dude, we- I still find the cock. That's a really good comparison actually, <laughs> but I, I still find the cockiness to be endearing, but the lies are so blatant like, and like, so dude, obvious. We're not and there's this no dumb. accountability. Like, we're not this dumb. Right. Like stop treating us like we're this yeah, dumb. Exactly. Um, but you know, I, I just think that Westbrook is, I know that teams don't game plan. Like, like we're, like we're saying, like maybe a lot of teams aren't going to double stuff every night. But at this point, every team in the league knows how you scout like and stop Russell Westbrook. You just dare him to shoot, and uh, if he shoots, that's great. That's a He's win demonstrated on that, that he is willing to do that. <laughs> and I, I see this whole organization as an organization in turmoil where uh, the owner is just a disaster. I think Daryl Morey has been plotting his – departure um for a while now with some of the moves he's made like i I would not expect him to be the gm there in 18 months i think james harden's another uh failed marriage like like with chris paul dwight howard like if if this rust thing goes south i think we're gonna get close to james harden requesting a trade i just and mike d'antoni's a like a walking like he's he's gonna get fired probably halfway through the season if things don't go perfectly mm-hmm. so i just see so many different like non-basketball aspects of this this team where i could see it kind of falling apart and unraveling um the depth is is really poor it's not warriors level poor but uh i mean they are really relying on guys like daniel house to uh, be be key pieces in that rotation yeah, rightfully so he's a great player <laughs> um i mean who who's your if you just like look at their depth chart um you go like westbrook harden gordon pj tucker clint capella is daniel house their sixth best player is it austin rivers like does it matter like are, are you worried about that i mean okay you haven't mentioned two names that are extremely key. three <laughs> Ger- actually now that I look well one tyson chandler he's not who i was thinking of but he's you know that's a weirdly big addition no, for them no it's not it really is i think it is because <laughs> look at the rest of the centers all right they, I mean, if it's not him, it's going to be Isaiah Hartenstein or Deontay sure. Davis, who is terrible. Sure. Um, Anthony Bennett is on this roster. Ben McLemore is sure. on this roster. Gerald Green is on this Post, roster. Post-type sleepers. I think it, on, I think it's probably either Gerald Green or like or Daniel House. Right. I mean, it was one of those two. I mean, they've kind of gotten by with those guys, and it's worked fairly well. I, don't, I really don't think they're too concerned about it. Now – well, okay. I guess if they're not concerned about it, that's they, good. This, good this for is them. the same depth they've had for the last three years. You know, they haven't done anything about it. I mean, maybe mid-year they'll I, bring in Shumpert again, somebody like that. Something about uh, James Harden. Like, I almost would feel better about this team with a another like a very like if instead of Russell Westbrook they had like Danny Green, I would almost feel better about this team just because then it's very very clear like james harden iso that's how we win that's how we play every mm-hmm. possession everything's built around that this kind of like well what should we do when russ is on the court and harden's on the yep. bench do we let him just do russ things like like i feel like there's just going to be very yeah. like crossed lines of i agree you know, I, I, communication I, I, like i don't know i mean it's not lost on me that the teams that uh, you know lebron being such a heavy iso guy like that a driving kick guy the teams in which he won the most regular season games, I'm not saying these are the best teams he was on, were those Cavs teams where it was him and four shooters. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, those were the teams that were the most effective, that were the most efficient uh, in the regular season, at least. And, you know, in the playoffs, you want Kyrie Irving, you want Dwayne Wade, you want Chris Bosh. But just for what the Rockets are doing, no other team is as reliant on one play type as they are. And I mean, there, you could not pick a worse player, or at least among a group of stars to play with than Russell Westbrook. So uh, they're basically creating the same problem that they had with Chris Paul. I think what you said right away, just getting him off the roster was the bigger deal. I think it was kind of, this is heading south. It's going It's going to blow up like, even worse than it has now. You Harden know, will request a trade yes, if we don't trade exactly. Chris Paul. Right, like, and I think, so I think at some point it was like Russell Westbrook, you know, and, as a talent, we just need to get that talent on the roster because we're not going to do any and, better. And Westbrook, that was like, if, if just you know you're Daryl Morey, you know you have to trade Chris Paul before the start of the season – like that was one of your only ways to do yep. it. Like you, I mean, unless you wanted to trade for John Wall or something, like you yeah. weren't going to be able to get Chris Paul off the roster. So, and why well, it had to be a trade that gets you someone to win now too. You couldn't do a collection of young players, right. you know, or bad contracts that are not going to give you anything. It had to be someone who could give you what Chris Paul was giving you in terms of minutes and close and, to it in production. And I definitely acknowledge that this could go over because you know, I mean, Harden's just good enough where if Westbrook just stays in his lane a little bit like Harden could take this team to 55 wins that's totally in play uh they'll definitely be a better regular season team than a postseason team um but I still just I mean the only time in the last five years that Westbrook's team won 50 games was the last KD year um Mm -hmm. and I mean they had a lot they had a decent amount of talent on that team uh, and I would still take that version of kevin durant over this version of james harden if i just needed to win a bunch of games so um i i didn't really think too hard about going under there really i went over this I'm team started not surprised, not surprised. they started 11 and 14 last year they went 42 and 15 the rest of the way and we know now that they their two best players basically hated each other the entire time the defense got so bad that they had to call up their retired defensive coach jeff bizdelic to get him back although he's now gone now um the turnover on the coaching staff the lack of the bench you know the poor fit that russell westbrook ultimately is at the end of the day are are big time concerns but like like you said before if russell westbrook is just able to you know 20 percent fewer mid-range jump shots I, this team's floor to me is still really high you know their ceiling is not all that high either because of westbrook but i mean in, even in the worst case scenario where you know, this goes like the Chris Paul situation did last year. Like, they're still going to be approaching 50 wins because Harden's yeah. that good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 53 and a half, though. Yeah. So, I, mean, I, just, I just feel like last year did not go well until the, the final, like, 30 games, you, and they still got to 53. But think about what had to happen for them to bounce back. Like, you had just a historic, like, six-week run by Harden. Like, you're not mm-hmm. going to have that same run by him as long as Westbrook's healthy and on the roster because he's just not going to have enough shots to do that. And I also think... I really don't think Mike D'Antoni is happy about this season at all. Like, I, I think not. he's like ready to pull like a George Carl and like fully mail it in if he yeah. if things don't go like perfectly in the first couple of weeks. Like I could see him mm-hmm. like getting himself fired or something. <laughs> he like, was on he was on the Woj Pod sometime in the last month. I I don't know if I listened to it when it was new or not, but I, I listened to it a couple of weeks ago and he put on a clinic in dodging questions. <laughs> like some, it was something that I'd never seen before. The levels that he went to to avoid talking about James Harden and Chris Paul's relationship, to avoid talking about the Russell Westbrook trade. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're reading between the lines, it was not hard to, to kind of garner what, you know, his thoughts on this. You know, I think he would be of the belief that we talked about earlier, where 
we don't need a second star. We yeah. we should turn I mean, this forty million dollars into three nobody three wings. Nobody fits the Mike D'Antoni system worse than Russell Westbrook or the Daryl Morey system. That's right. what makes this all so fun. <laughs> I mean, I I do think. Hey, you can't so- you can't overpay stars though. So <laughs> that means that what yeah, Westbrook's a star, you can't overpay him. Um I, I do think that it's hard to quantify this, but I th- I think Russell Westbrook will be re energized to some degree. Not that he wasn't energized, <laughs> you know, last year, but and I'm not saying this is gonna change his style of play. I'm not a I don't I don't think that I think it's wishful thinking to say, well, now he'll this is the the kind of wake up call that he needed. Now he'll stop playing the way he's played for the last twenty years of his basketball life. Like that's not gonna happen. But I do think he'll at least be willing to hear them out. He'll at least be, you know, he'll be receptive to what James Harden wants him to do. I, I don't think he's going to stand on the side and and sulk like Chris Paul did for a lot of last year. Like I, just getting the new blood in there to me is, is worth something. And I, I think there's a, a decent chance that it goes pretty well and, and they win 54 to 57 games. All right. The LA Clippers, 48 wins a year ago. They were the eight seed in the Western Conference. This number, I believe, is the highest of all the numbers, if I'm looking at this right. Uh, what was Milwaukee at? Oh, same as Milwaukee, same as at least Milwaukee. on our sheet. Yep. Uh, 56 and a half for the LA Clippers, over or under? I am locking in the under. And okay. it's really, I mean, they're, it's just a, it's a really big line when I think we can assume Kawhi Leonard is going to sit out 20% of the regular season games like he did last year. Okay, do we know that for sure? I I agree. That's probably what will happen. But has anyone said that? Like, has well, or just, was that just like a post injury thing, or is that is this just going to be how it is? I just that's my read on the injury. I think it's sort of a chronic issue. Like I, I mean it. It's just not something that I don't think it ever gets to that point where all of a sudden he's like a eighty-two game player or like a eighty eighty mm-hmm. game player. I, I mean it maybe. There's, I mean, it just it seems like the type of thing where we can't expect him to play more than like mm. 65 games because, like, a he was missing time but regular during the season last year and he liked that like it, that was a successful strategy to get him ready for the playoffs and then in the playoffs, I mean, he was just like dying like uh, like yeah. in between plays it just seemed like he'd just been shot in the leg or something i mean he was clearly pay- playing hurt which is i mean he, he played really well hurt but uh this is a team with um major major uh aspirations this year obviously i mean i, I thought the press conference they had the other day was was fun to watch i mean it's clear that they want to win the title this year and they're going to do everything in their power to do I think so steve bomber wants to win the title and i don't see how you play him more than 60 65 games if the title is yeah. the the number number one thing yeah. i also don't know how they would have convinced him to go there without telling him like we're gonna right. do pretty much whatever you want like medically you know so yeah. um and then paul george their second star is coming off multiple shoulder surgeries so uh those are your two best players by far and i think there are games played risk factors with one and health factors with the other so 56 and a half, I mean, that's just such a big line that uh, kind of just for those two reasons I'm going to go mm-hmm. under. I think that there's certainly some issues at, at center. Um, but, I mean, if I, mean, if I don't have the issues that some other contending teams yeah, have at center. If I knew that if I knew that Kawhi was going to play like 74 games and Paul George was mm-hmm. going to play uh, like good version of Paul George all season, then I yeah. would take the over. But 
I think Vegas is sort of giving you sort of a, a freebie by setting the line that high, yeah. uh, just given those two issues. Yeah, I was surprised it was that high, given what you just said. Makes you wonder, you know, if the Kawhi injury didn't exist and if Paul George, I mean, there's a chance Paul George isn't ready for the start of the season. Right. I mean, he had yeah. pretty major surgery on both shoulders not that long ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it, this would probably be pushing 60 if it weren't for those they, two like, factors. They would make the playoffs basically if Paul George played half a season and yeah. Kawhi Leonard played oh, yeah. 60 games like so they don't need mm-hmm. to push these guys at all really so that that's yep. it's sort of just a logic like that they won't maybe they do maybe that maybe Kawhi this offseason he gets all kinds of fun stuff done to his knee and he's able to play mm-hmm. 70 games and they go over but just seems yeah. like a pretty safe bet to go under I think the fact that Toronto has already pulled this off successfully and, and it with the way that it ended we kind of forget this like there was a lot of heat on Kawhi Leonard sitting out that many games I mean he was the poster child for this debate of NBA players being soft and fans not getting their money's worth he was the one you know above all else I mean I I think Davis to some degree with with the trade request but the fact that it all worked out in the end exonerated Toronto it exonerated Kawhi and I don't think the Clippers are going to face any external pressure you know I mean if you're if you're a Clippers fan or even just an NBA fan you're not going to be saying come on play Kawhi Leonard tonight because we've already seen it work and like if you're the Clippers how could you possibly argue against that and I think most superstars especially those who are on the Kawhi level we've seen it with LeBron for years um are you know and even you know the Warriors have kind of operated this way too like they don't care about the regular season at all and you know someone like Kawhi who's you know won two titles with two different teams you know neither of which were fantastic regular season teams you know in terms of in terms of total wins Toronto probably would have been had he played more uh I I just don't see what the goal is for him to to be out there for for more than 70 games so I agree with you uh I think the Clippers go under to me this is still the best team in the league if you if you turned off injuries and uh you know simmed simmed 82 games and simmed through the playoffs and every team was as is right now I think the Clippers win the title um I think yeah I think if you turn injuries off and everything they are the heavy heavy favorite to come out yes. of the west i have almost bigger concerns about paul george than i do Kawhi. yeah no i i think with Kawhi, it's just kind of a management issue mm-hmm. is sort of and, I, I, and I, I have confidence that they'll manage it well with pg i mean we saw two very different versions of paul george last year i mean there was a point when and we know now that it was because of the shoulders you would think i mean he was playing at an mvp level he was Mm -hmm. really the third best player in the league for most of last year Mm -hmm. down the stretch there was a point where they dropped to the eight seed and were like on the verge of possibly you know getting out of the playoff race and part of that was westbrook's doing as well but paul george was you know basically went from mvp level to you know pretty good all-star level over the, the final few months of the season and even if he falls somewhere in between there, that changes things for me. If he if he plays like he did the first half of last season, I'm very confident this team wins the title. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's had major lower body injuries. This is, you know, in my opinion, pretty major surgery on both shoulders. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think this is a team, too, that if they do take it easy in the postseason and end up being, you know, a three or a four seed, you know, and they're only a couple wins behind teams like Denver or the Lakers or whoever it is, and they have to end up going on the road, you know, maybe it's something that, that comes back to hurt them. But if they're healthy and those guys are playing well going into into the playoffs, I just I just don't see any team really beating them. The LA Lakers, 37 wins last season. This one jumps all the way did you, up. Did to, you go did you go under on the clips? I went under on the okay. clips. Right. Yep. Cool. Lakers, 37 last year, 51 and a half is the number this year. Um, where are you going with this one? 
this one was this one was tougher than the Clippers one. I I locked in mm-hmm. the Clippers under. I, I'm gonna go under on the Lakers as well. I'm kind of surprised that Vegas was this sort of reasonable in this one. Like I, you know, typically like LeBron AD like 55 and a half, like something like that, yeah. you know. But well, I think like last year, there's just been enough like public reporting about how. Um, terrible like the decision making behind the scenes is in LA that I think there's enough sort of skepticism just about that brand in general that they had to put the line at 51 and a half with what do you think their number was last year um I have it up I will say 52 and a half 48 and a half 48 and a half so I mean you are right I think they overreacted last year Anthony Davis you know should be worth more than three wins theoretically um and obviously they kind of overcorrected from that i'm gonna go over i think lebron's confidence is back we've seen in the past that he has a very difficult time staying focused when he knows he doesn't have a good team around him uh aka the final year in cleveland um you know even last season i think it was pretty clear that especially when he came back from the hamstring that he knew that best case scenario was seven or eight seed and get waxed in round one i think when he knows that his team has a chance to to do something special we see a different lebron throughout the regular season um i don't know how much i really buy into the whole this is the first time in forever he hasn't been playing into june narrative i mean it'll certainly help but he's also coming off an injury so i think in some ways you know the fact that we've kind of seen him now have a, a chink in the armor when it comes to staying healthy kind of offsets that but uh, the other factor for me too is the west is so good and the teams up top are so good that i think or at least i i would hope that the Lakers value, you know, maybe not getting the one seed, but at least getting a top four seed. And in order to get a top four seed, you might be looking at 52 plus wins. So I think there is some motivation, you know, for, for them to actually hit this over, you know, like, like the Clippers though. I mean, this is not a team that we're going to see play LeBron 82 games or play Davis 82 games. These guys are going to be monitored, but I think as long as they both stay healthy, um, they, they can get into the low fifties. Yeah. I mean, part of me going under is I think that there's a chance that we've started to see the physical decline of LeBron and it's going to be I mean I know that some of last year was effort but I mean he also just wasn't making the same sort of athleticism type of plays that he's made in years past see I really disagree with that really I do like like in what maybe on defense I mean I think his amount of uh dunks per possession was down I think like his just um, yeah I I get it to me the physical stuff just hasn't really fallen off yet it'll come i mean i'm not i'm not saying he's going to be playing like this forever but i i don't know i I disagree well okay so let's even if okay even if they just have um say lebron pre-injury last year they have that version of lebron like really good offensive player really bad defensive player um and anthony davis has the type of season that everyone's sort of hoping he could have like where he's maybe the best player on this team and and a really great two-way player um and all that goes well and Danny Green stays healthy. I still think the majority of the rest of this roster is very overrated. Like I, I'm not a DeMarcus Cousins guy. I, obviously I'm not a Richon Rondo guy. Avery Bradley, Contavious Caldwell Pope, those guys are overrated. Uh, Kyle... <laughs> You're obviously not a Rondo guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I trash Rondo all the time. So I'm not a Rondo uh, guy. I think Kyle Kuzma is really overrated. Uh, I think maybe the only player on this team who's slightly underrated is – maybe like Jared Dudley and Alex Caruso. Like, I don't know. I yeah. think that there's like, there's guys, I think that I could argue that Quinn cook and Alex Caruso should get 
minutes over Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley, and yeah. they won't. Avery Bradley was really, really, really bad last year. Yeah, I, I think that there's just um, – I just don't like the rest of I, – like I would give them maybe like a C for this offseason, and I felt like for them to be um, big-time uh, championship contenders, mm-hmm. like in my top three or so in that category, they would have needed like a B-plus or an A-minus for their offseason. And, um, you know, I just think it was the decisions they made – uh, their insistence on keeping Kuzma, mm-hmm. like to me, I don't think he really moves the needle a ton. Uh, Danny Green was a; they were just lucky that he was willing to take two for thirty from them, um, and willing to wait the whole Kawhi thing out, uh, which worked well for them. But um, you know, if if LeBron or AD misses significant time at all, I think they hit yeah. this under pretty easily. I think if LeBron. I mean, he's going to fall off at some point, and if this is the year that he falls off, then they'll hit that under. Um, the West is really tough. They have no continuity on this team at all. Like So like when we're talking about like Denver's going to cruise to their over, um, this is a team that just has absolutely zero continuity. Well, they will not have any trouble integrating DeMarcus Cousins or Rajon Rondo. Come on, that'll be fine. <laughs> they basically pulled half the Pelicans team from two years ago. Yeah, I mean – I it's it's not a lock under but yeah. it's I'm comfortable going under. No, those are all compelling points. I I agree with you on the off season. I think it's easy to say now that they should have just not waited on Kawhi and you know spent that money on better complimentary free agents, but of course you have to wait out the Kawhi situation. If he ends up signing there, it's a whole different conversation, but yeah, I was very underwhelmed with the guys who were left at you know and that was kind of one of the repercussions of Kawhi taking all the way until I don't know what was it, July I don't even know, third, fourth, fifth to, to make this decision was a lot of the guys who, you know, three days before that we were saying, oh, he'll go to the Lakers. He's a LeBron guy. You know, even, even someone like Jeff Green, I would feel like really good if Jeff Green was on this roster oh, yeah. um, ahead of, you know, Troy oh, yeah. Daniels or Talon Horton Tucker, you know, that rookie who might end up playing real minutes for them. So by the time all those guys started drying up is when I started getting concerned because at that point it became – Kawhi or nothing really and you know getting Danny Green is is nice I felt like they had to overpay him but Avery Bradley is not good KCP is extremely hot and cold and you know was mostly cold last year um KCP is fine if he's like your eighth man yeah um which he I mean maybe he is their eighth man but that means that somebody like Rajon Rondo or Avery Bradley is your sixth or seventh man which they shouldn't be I mean do you agree that Kyle Kuzma's become like incredibly overrated yeah, oh, of course. Like, <laughs> I don't know. He's viewed. I think people who don't follow the NBA really closely think he's like Clay Thompson. So confused as to why he ever gets brought up in these like young players that could take a step like discussions. Like he's just a he's just a guy. He's like, a good player. He's yeah. a fine player, but he's not a future star. Like he's, I don't see it. People talk about him like he's like this thirty-eight percent three-point shooter. <laughs> oh, no, he's like, like a thirty. What was he last year? Thirty-two. Yeah, maybe thirty. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Him and Devin Booker are both like that. I mean, Booker's. <laughs> obviously a much better player but i think people think booker shot like 48 percent from three last year and he was under 35 yeah my one argument how do you feel about demarcus cousins i feel like there's a chance he has a big bounce back and looks much better than he did at the end of last year and and that's kind of something that nobody's accounting for um i don't i i mean we i feel like we've had the demarcus cousins cousins talk on this pod like 10 times and um I just don't think he affects 
wins and losses yeah. once you get into the like the 40 plus win threshold i think he can right. actually have negative effects so i think i think he actually increases their floor and lowers their ceiling because i think that his defense like this mm-hmm. team needs to be a top i don't know 12 defense for them to finish with like 55 wins yeah. and i just see zero chance of that happening as long as he's a big part of the rotation uh, whereas I also think that he at least gives them a Anthony Davis can miss 20 games and we can still make the playoffs type of right. floor. But I just don't see, I think that at a certain point he sort of holds you back in terms yep. of winning and losing ball games. So we'll wait to see how LeBron and Davis look. I mean, mostly it's about Davis and you know, other, other I think, see, have... I think it's mostly about LeBron. Like I need, I don't know what type of LeBron I'm getting from a durability and a skill standpoint. I, I actually am I pretty know. confident in what I'm getting from AD. I guess I'm just talking more about the fit. I'm pretty confident in what you're going to get from LeBron when he's healthy. I don't think the defense is coming back. Um, But ultimately, I I could see this playing out a little bit like that final heat season where they got to the finals. It was a complete slog the entire way. You know, I think the the first round they breezed through, but like they got, you know, really pushed to the brink by a team like the Pacers, who was clearly below them. I think it's not going to be smooth. I think they'll still be a really good team. You know, they... I would pick the Clippers over them in a playoff series, but like I, I fully expect the Lakers to be at, you know, come April or May, a team we're talking about maybe getting to the Western conference finals. I just don't see, even if they get to the finals, I don't see a scenario in which this team would be favored to win the finals, right? Like if they're going up against say no. Philly, what do you, you know, what do you do with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus cousins in particular against Embiid and Horford, you know, so many other teams that they're going to face mm-hmm. late in the playoffs, just have the complete one through five guys that, even if we get a vintage LeBron season and a great Davis season, to me, I just don't know if that's going to be enough to offset what other teams are going to be getting who are seven, eight, nine guys deep when the Lakers are really like three and a half guys deep. Yeah, I think in the playoffs is when I, like LeBron's defense is going to really kill them because like yep. if they match up against the Clippers, like both Paul George and Kawhi would absolutely torch LeBron. Yep. Uh, and you have to basically put him on one of them because you just don't have enough places to hide him otherwise so um that that's an issue i definitely think everything breaks right they can hit this over Mm -hmm. um but i just i think there's enough that can go wrong where i'm going under all right fair enough the memphis grizzlies 33 wins last season they add john morant they get jaron jackson back who missed about the almost the full second half of last year with an injury uh but this number drops all the way down to 25 and a half are you going over or under on that I'm going under. I thought they had a great off season uh, for what they should be trying to do, but uh, I mean, rookie point guards pretty much never help you win games. I mean, you saw towards the end of last season, Trey Young was getting there a little bit, but um, I mean, the, in the first half, I mean, and he probably played better as a rookie last season on the whole than I would expect John Morant to play this season. I, I like John Morant. Uh, just as much probably as a prospect long term but I mean he's not going to help him win games Um, I think that there's sort of I think Vegas actually did a good job with this line in terms of factoring in just how much Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol were able to lift this team Mm -hmm. uh, last season to I mean the rest of the talent on that roster was just awful they were 16 and 11 at one point yeah at basically the third mark of the season they had like the top three defense in the league um, at that point and mm-hmm. so I think that that's a aspect of the team that's just long yep. gone uh, I like the young core that they're building I mean I think that uh, 
that they've got a really bright future, but they're going to trade guys like Andre Iguodala at some point. Yep. Um, they might be starting Dylan Brooks. I think that's worth mentioning. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I I think they did a great job in the offseason, but 25.5 is, is a big number for a team that's going to be relying mm-hmm. on this many rookies in the Western Conference. I just Googled Dylan Brooks, and one of the things that pops up is a headline that says, Dylan Brooks gets two IG models pregnant in six months. So yeah. stay hot, Dylan Brooks. I'm with you on this, <laughs> if you can't tell. Yeah, I, I you laid it out really well. I think they'll be really fun. They're a team that despite being maybe the second or third worst team in the league, is going to be a team you want to watch. Mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson's going to be fun. I really think Morant's going to have a bad year. I think he's. we're still going to feel good about him. It's going to be, I think, very De'Aaron Fox-like, where he has mm-hmm. games where he you know, he might go for 25 and 12 with four steals and two huge dunks, and you're like, okay, this is what we came here for. But I think on the whole, he's really mm-hmm. going to struggle. I, I think people – it's going to be one of those things where, like, I think when Lonzo came to the league, we noticed this too of, like, this guy's really skinny. He didn't look it against mm-hmm. college competition, but John Morant weighs like 180 pounds, right? He's going right. to look tiny. Like he's as big as like Lou Williams, basically. Right. Like and 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 Lou Williams I is should, like 30 years old. I should have mentioned like with the Trey Young comparison, like part of what allowed Trey Young to help the Hawks win games for a stretch in the second half last year is just his like elite shooting when he's on. Like John Morant is not going to have that at all, especially as a rookie. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it's just this is going to be an exhibit A of like rookie point guards do not help you win games. I really think the best case for him next year as a rookie would be having like the year Brandon Jennings had when he, I think he was like second in second or third in rookie of the year voting that rookie year 15 and a half points, 5.7 assists, 1.3 steals, but just terrible efficiency. He was 37% from three, 37% from the floor. I shouldn't say best case for Moran, but I, I that's the type of season, honestly, I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. I think the assist numbers will be better than Brandon Jennings, but I think he'll be really, really streaky. He'll have weeks where he looks great. He'll have weeks where he looks really bad. Um, and ultimately, as much as I love Jaron Jackson, you talk about young guys who affect winning. He's one of them, but I just there's just not enough around him. Um, I do worry, though. I mean, like someone like Valanciunas could end up averaging 20 and 10 next year, and then like maybe Memphis just beats up on the other bad teams, and all of a sudden this becomes kind of an iffy over-under. Like This is a good line. But it's – I mean, the pro- – that would be an argument in the East, but yeah. there's only like the Suns are the only other team in the West that's like in their league in terms of being bad. Yeah. So it's not like they have a lot of other teams to beat up on. I do agree. I mean, last year though, the second worst team in the West had 33 wins. Yeah. I, this team is going to be worse than that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah I, I did, they were the Grizzlies were that team. So yeah, I, I do agree. They will be worse. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, 36 wins last year. 35 and a half this year this this was a tough one i'm gonna go over and i think it's sort of a like a healthy and a happy carl anthony towns i think is good enough at this point where he can lift a team's floor to at least 35 wins even in the west like he's just he's so damn good when he's like motivated and not having to play with jimmy butler and um i think he like really likes how this organization has sort of turned into just like we'll do anything you want us to do carl anthony towns like you can just do whatever you want like we're we're your it's your organization you you make the call who else is it gonna be yeah i i think like now that uh thibodeau and and butler are gone i think he's gonna have the best season of his career and i think he's just a uh, amazing offensive player so i think that that just gets them into this like mid to upper 30s uh, area I wouldn't lock it in just mm-hmm. because they obviously have a, a ton of flaws uh, Andrew Wiggins I mean uh, that's not good <laughs> uh, Jared Culver is not gonna 
help them win, I don't think, this year. I mean, this is just really all about Crown Clay Towns yeah. and Jake Lehman uh, lifting everyone yeah. else up. I knew you were going to sneak Jake Lehman <laughs> in there. I did not think you were going to wait till the final three seconds, um, but well done. No, I, I, I went over as well. I would I've marked this as a stay away. This feels like a 36-37 win team, uh, not a 35-win team. There's a big line there. Uh, I think they hit the over. Like you said, I mean, yeah. Towns is really, really, really good, and he's probably next in line for if this team doesn't start improving to want to play somewhere else and show that he's really good. I don't see – I don't know because I don't know if he, like, cares that I think much. Cares. Like, I, I think he he's cares. just really at a happy place in his life right now. I think we're at least two years away from, from anything like that coming up, and it – I mean, the fact that he's under contract for, what, like six yeah. more years now like well, after that extension. I think that's one that other teams would be happy to take on if it, if it came down to it. No, I'm just saying, like, it. they're not going to – Yeah. if he says, hey, I want to get traded, they're just going to be like, well, we – Talk to us in four years. <laughs> we, don't, we don't even have to think about that anytime right. soon. No, so. very true. Um, reasons that they'll hit this over. Robert Covington basically missed all of last year after getting traded there played like 10 games and that was it you would assume he plays significantly more than that very good player when healthy mm-hmm. jake layman nice depth ad noah vonley a pretty decent depth ad i mean they they were playing gorgie jang you know more minutes than you should ever be playing gorgie jang last year um so I, I think they just didn't you know really not any flashy additions but adding culver who i think will be good you know not somebody i could really see being a dark horse rookie of the year candidate but he, he should play a decent amount of minutes uh in what's suddenly kind of a a sneaky deep wing rotation I, for them. So how would you rank Culver, Okogi, and Wiggins in terms of just NBA basketball Wiggins? players? I mean, Wiggins has to be number one right now. I, he's, he's a 20-point scorer. I don't I would know. Go, I mean, I'd go Okogi, Wiggins, Culver. Jesus. I mean, I, have we gone too far with Andrew Wiggins? No. I, <laughs> he's not that bad. I mean, people talk about him like he's Anthony Bennett and they're playing him 30 minutes a night or well, 40 no, minutes what, a night. What makes him so bad is just that he, his usage and his minutes per game. I'm not like, claiming if, he's good, but are, if he's he was better like than an, Josh Okoge. If he, I, I don't know. I don't know. He's a career 19 points a game on 44% shooting. It's not the end of the world. 2.2 assists. No defensive production whatsoever. No, I'm, I'm not I'm saying a, he's good. I'm just, come on, Josh Okoge. I think Josh Kogi's good. Like I think Josh Kogi's a really good defender. I think he's good too, but um I think Josh Kogi's better at defense than Andrew Wiggins is at efficient offense. Okay. Like fair enough. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh so for that reason, Wolves over. I'm just saying like I would feel better about this team yeah. if Josh Kogi was starting over. Andrew what Wiggins. if they trade for Chris Paul at some point? Uh I'll say the same thing I said about the Chris Paul to the Bucks thing that KOC was trying to get yeah. going like this is a great way to get Carl Anthony Towns to actually request yeah. that trade like if you if you really want Carl Anthony Towns to ask out then bring in CP3 because yeah. if he didn't like playing with Jimmy yeah, Butler like I'm Jimmy sure Butler. he's gonna, <laughs> gonna love playing with CP3 he's brought in an older worse Jimmy Butler <laughs> uh the New Orleans Pelicans 33 wins a year ago uh not sure there's a team that's undergone as many changes at the, as the Pelicans have since the end of last season their number now sits at 39 and a half are you going over or under on 39 and a half I'm going over and I was I was I, f- I feel like this line and the Mavericks line should be flipped like I think that this team should have a 41 and a half over under and the Mavericks should have a 39 and a half I, I agree under. because Vegas does tend to and for obvious reasons, kind of side with the hype. And everybody's talking about New Orleans as this dark horse playoff team that's going to be really good. And, you know, usually Vegas will play into that and, and 
goose it up, you know, one or two wins. I mean, this is I don't think it's this team's as deep as the Nuggets or the Bucks or the, even the Clippers, but like I mean, they're probably a top six or seven deepest team in the league. I mean, they they just the only spot they don't have depth really is after Brandon Ingram at the three, but uh, their backcourt depth is really really solid. And, and I don't even hate someone like Darius Miller. Etwan sure. Moore had a great shooting year last year. Like I mean, even like their bad depth is still pretty solid. Sure, and uh, I mean, I guess I, they don't really have much depth at the four either. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that the the pieces seem to fit really well. Like I like the Favors and Zion pairing in the front court. I like uh, the different looks they can give you in the back court. They can give you like a really intense defensive look with Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday. They can kind of supplement that with JJ Redick or. Nikhil Alexander Walker for for some offense and um Josh Hart I mean he's how many minutes is he even going to get yeah, on this I mean, team he might not even be a regular rotation guy um but yeah I mean I think that they did the type of moves that will allow them to make a push for the eight seed if everything breaks right like they need at least one of Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram to take like a legitimate step forward uh now that they're no longer on the Lakers, I think for that to be realistic. But, um, you know, I think Drew Holiday's awesome. J.J. Reddick's really good. I think that they've just got a lot of talent on this roster and enough depth to get to, you know, 41, 42 mm-hmm. wins. I'm going over as well. I, I have written low 40s, still a ton of ifs for this team. Um, I mean, one thing, and it, it's hard to kind of extrapolate what this means, but two years ago before the LeBron show showed up, like this group with – Ingram as what second or third year guy um Alonzo Ball is a rookie won 35 games you know so even though they as collectively Ingram and Ball and and even Hart to some degree have underwhelmed it's not like they were a complete joke of a team that was winning 21 games a year with a similar sort of coach and scheme like I mean you had Brooke Lopez on that team I mean there were some some decent veterans but I think the guys on this team are better than the guys that were around them on that team Mm -hmm. and I think it's a big enough gap to say it's not crazy for this team to win somewhere between like 40 and 43 games. I will say, I think there's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I want to phrase this. I think people are maybe overrating what Zion's impact will be right away. You know, um, like, like wins and losses. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he's going to be good. He's going to have some great games, but I think, I think it's easy to look at this roster and, and just say like, Oh, Zion, he's a superstar. He's going to be awesome. You know, like, if this is this roster and Zion in five years, then it's a whole different story. But he's still a rookie at the end of the day. It'll be uh, sort of interesting to see how he handles getting sort of the Ben Simmons treatment yes. where, uh, I mean, nobody's going to give him any respect on his J, nor should they. And then so, like, what is his move when the ball swings to him and he's got, like, 10 feet of space? Does he... In summer league, it was a step back <laughs> three that gets blocked by Mr. Robinson. <laughs> um <laughs> So, I mean, it, he's going to have to really work on his decision-making. Like, I think that he's good enough uh, off the bounce to create a little bit in those situations. But, I mean, sometimes the right move is just to, you know, swallow your proud and, pride and swing it. Or maybe they tell him, hey, we want you taking that three. We want you to work on that. And, like, this isn't about this year. It's about uh, long term. So maybe they take some L's while Zion's sort of working on his development. Mm-hmm. Um so that that's going to be an interesting thing to see, um, but I think I mean, Drew Holiday and JJ Redick staying healthy, I think are huge factors in them hitting this over. I think if the, if that happens, they, they'll probably get there. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we haven't seen very many number one picks, especially, I mean, there aren't, there haven't been many guys to enter the league with the hype that Zion's entered it, you know, and then you start looking at number one picks overall, like how many guys have walked into a situation where I would say at this point now that the playoffs are not, not an expectation, but I think everybody on this roster is going to be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs, right? Like we're not going to say it was a huge failure if this team well, wins thirty nine games. It would and gets be. A nine seed, but I think people would be disappointed inside and outside the organization if they just never were really in the mix. Like if it just was never even a yeah, thing right. where they're. Uh, if they start five and twelve, that's going to be a disappointment. Even though they were a team that just yeah. won the lottery. I mean, if they if they finish forty and forty two, I don't think anyone's going to be like, right. "Oh, that was a bad season." But if they finish yep. like. 30 and 52 then i think everyone will be mm-hmm. like whoa like maybe this team isn't as good as we yeah. thought so i just wonder how that's going to affect how we view zion you know if, he, if his numbers aren't that good but they're a good team and he ends up just kind of being a super role player right away is that is that better for him or is it better for them to maybe lose four more games but he has a bigger role can he have i uh i think it's better um uh, I don't know. I that's a tough question because I think it's it's important. They really need to see what they have in Lonzo and Brandon Ingram right. because they have just a huge decision to make with Ingram, especially uh, after the season. Um, and I think it's just important to as soon as they decide we don't like the way Brandon Ingram fits with Zion, or mm-hmm. we don't think Lonzo Ball's a, a good long term fit here, or maybe look we we really like Lonzo Ball. We really like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And now we're going to decide to shop Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's just a lot of different ways that this season can evolve yeah. for them that have nothing to do with Zion. Like, they're clearly building around Zion. They need to kind of figure out which of these guys are going to be part of that. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of the bigger thing. Um, they just have a lot of irons in the fire. You're, you're Most teams bring in the number one pick, and it's all about that guy. And it's just, you know, we know we're going to suck. You know, hopefully we suck enough that we get another high pick and we have two great guys going forward. They have three rookies of their own. You know, the the third of those, Alexander Walker, looked really good in summer league. I mean, a guy who looks like he's going to play for them. Mm-hmm. So you're developing those three guys. Then you're also simultaneously evaluating Ingram and Ball while also still developing them because they're still on their rookie deals. You have a new fit in Derek Favors. You have a new fit in J.J. Redick. Like, there's just so many moving you gotta pieces. you got to find touches for Jaleel Okafor. You, exactly. you got to find minutes for him. Um, <laughs> it was interesting they got rid of Christian Wood. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, I think they're going to be really fun. I mean, they're in the, you know, they should be in your top five for league pass teams, you would think. I hope it works out. I don't think anyone's rooting against the Pelicans at this point. I, you know, I think a lot of people are rooting against a team like the Lakers and maybe some people against the Clippers by virtue of you know how they came into these teams, but... I don't think there's any way you can look at this Pelicans team and say, I, I really hope Zion Williamson's a huge bust and this team just totally sucks. Yeah, I, I think that I was just, I was just going to ask you, is it realistic to think Zion could have the type of rookie year Blake Griffin had? And then I looked at Blake Griffin's numbers. And I said, no, it's not realistic. No. Well, it's such a different scenario. I mean, he <laughs> right. had sat out no, that year and all that. But yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be insane if he was on a different team. 22 and a half, 12 yeah. and three and a half. 3.8 assists and 38 minutes per yeah. game well that would be crazy <laughs> 38 minutes per game rookie blake griffin played yeah uh the oklahoma city thunder 49 wins a year ago uh quite a bit of roster upheaval for them this summer that number now drops to 35 and a half i'm going under but it's a stay away i think it's just the, the cp3 thing you know if he 
is there all year and plays like 60 games, 65 games. I think they could totally hit that over, but we just have no idea. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he might be there all year and play 30 games. He might be there for half a season. I think it's just really tough to know um, how that's going to break down. I think, you know, a lot of people are like, well, it's kind of an interesting roster now. And like the the Russ Westbrook Ewing theory and stuff. I mean, they only have like four decent guys they have uh Shea they have CP3 they've Gallinari and they have Steven Adams and like the rest of the guys are just kind of maybe Terrence Ferguson's their fifth best guy maybe Andre Robertson's their fifth best guy maybe Hamadou Diallo's their fifth best guy but they just it's not a very deep team I, I think Steven Adams has gotten underrated just because of his role in uh this triple double gate uh that's been happening the past few years there but like I mean he's still not a modern big so um i think he'll benefit from chris paul more than anybody oh yeah i think that there'll be a really good duo but still under stay away yep i'm going under as well uh didn't actually even have this marked as a stay away not a lock but somewhere between a lock and a non-stay away Mm -hmm. uh chris paul last three years 24 24 21 missed games I see no reason to believe that that will reverse anytime soon his minutes have been slashed you know it's not like they were throwing him out there for 38 minutes a game in Houston I mean the goal was to keep him healthy and it didn't work so I think you know you at least have Shea I guess as kind of this backup and you still have an an okay I guess now third option in Dennis Schroeder but nobody's really talked about this yet like is there an effect to moving Shea off the ball all of a sudden now like you know is that does that hinder his development in any way for him to all of a sudden now be kind of the sidekick to Chris Paul or yeah I mean I just learned from Chris Paul I don't think it's ideal I think it's uh I don't know I (laughs) I could think of better guys to sort of groom a guy like that than CP. Um, I mean, it's not a disaster. I just don't think it's great. How strange is it now that we've gotten to the point where you could you can make a legitimate point that maybe you don't want Chris Paul around your young point guard. You know, arguably the smartest and best floor general of our generation is now reached the point where you know I, he's alienated enough teammates that it's a legitimate concern. Yeah, I mean, it's he's just. Uh, he only kind of knows one speed in terms of communicating with teammates. It seems like he doesn't have sort of that, like I, I would say like a perfect guy. Like I, I think Mike Conley is going to be a great mentor for Donovan Mitchell, you know, that type of fit yeah. or even drew holiday and like Lonzo ball. Like, I mean, those are just sort of the right demeanor. It sort of seems where there's not that much like sort of in your face screaming like yeah. during a game. Like I, I would just, say <laughs> Tyus Jones for John Morant too. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I almost brought that up in the uh, the Grizzlies <laughs> thank, thank thing where I was. No, well, well, I feel like Tyus Jones is going to be better than John Morant this year, and he's not old enough where like you could justify. But, yeah. I, but anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's it's just not as exciting of a like. I, I think I feel like a lot of NBA Twitter is sort of like, oh, this is actually kind of like a interesting roster. Like, interesting no. to see how that. Like, no, this is yeah, Andre Robertson didn't play basketball last year because he was so hurt. Yeah, I, I mean, they're going to be looking to unload Chris Paul and yep. Dino Gallinari like, whenever they sort of can right. in the season. So, And they bankrolled so many of those wins to get to 49 when PG was on that crazy run. You know, that, I mean, I, I think you can only knock a team down so far usually you know, unless there are major personnel losses. Like To me, this counts as major personnel. Like You lost the guy who finished third in MVP voting 
and then you know whatever Russ means for wins, it, it's something. Yeah, no, I mean like I'm about as low on Russ as you can get, and I still think he he lifts a team yeah. into that sort of low 40s win area, uh, yep. kind of by himself. Uh, he just can't really do anything besides that but i think like, he affects regular season winning right significantly more than he does like i think he like he everything i say about like demarcus cousins i would sort of say about westbrook just mm-hmm. like big man point guard like big yeah. man can't impact it the same way but like those are guys that help you um just stay sort of relevant and like in that in that 500 range yep. but without all those guys i mean like i think steven adams is underrated but he's not he's still not gonna like help yeah. you like get... what, what would a steven adams season look like when he's carrying you to 50 wins i mean i think he's capable of like a i don't know 16 13 type of season yeah, this year I mean, but like that's not gonna help them i mean that's right. like andre drummond basically exactly okay five left we'll move on to the phoenix suns 19 wins last season i think this is the same line as last year if i remember correctly 28 and a half <laughs> James, over or under on 28 and a half wins for the Phoenix Suns? Under, and I'm locking it in. Yeah, no-brainer. I, It just feels like we're doing the same dance <laughs> over again with them every year. I famously took the over on them last year. I'm not a Rubio guy. He seems like a cool like person. I don't, I don't think he's a great basketball player. I think he's a terrible fit, specifically yes. in Phoenix. There is an argument to be made that maybe just having any point guard – is an upgrade. I mean, they were starting DeAnthony Melton, Elliot Cobo, Tyler Johnson last year. So I, I guess Rubio is an upgrade there, but this is such a huge leap. I mean, what number would it had to have, would have had to have been for you to, to kind of think about it? Um, I mean, this team's not winning 10 more games than last year because they added Ricky Rubio. If it had been like, pieces. if it had been like 23 and a half, I would have been like, yeah, eh. but 28 and a half. So first of all, uh, James Jones, banner off season for him i mean another one i think he He's done it again i think you could make a pretty compelling case that this is the worst defensive team in the league and ricky rubio might be their best defensive player <laughs> and yeah, he, he might be the worst fit next to devin booker you could have found and they overpaid him to bring him in to be that terrible fit and they had to like give away uh, pieces to make sure that they could add him without being like in the tax i mean it was just uh, it was a masterful job by james jones that's <laughs> was, why he has this job what a what an off season yeah and they i mean no well then you hear rumors that they only took cameron johnson because they watched a couple north carolina games on tv because they didn't do any scouting there's this is just not all it, it's all building towards a situation where it's another bad season like we're not going to be like right remember when we all thought the suns were going to yeah. suck and now they're going to be right. the eight seed like no of course that's not going to happen no and Devin Booker's gonna be great in fantasy, um, but like that, like that's like the only thing I can um, yeah. take away from this team. I mean, I don't know if DeAndre Ayton is there like a big step forward for him to take. Like, I mean, he's not uh, gonna. There actually could be. That's that's the one. I don't think not he gonna can be really get step. better defensively. Like, yeah. maybe he can get like a tiny bit better, but like offensively, maybe there's another gear there where he could be like a. 27 26 27 like guy at peak and like he's gonna take another step towards getting there but um yeah i mean it's just it's a horrifically constructed roster and a team that was really really flawed in the first place somehow have no bench yet again too i like i liked bringing back Ubre. he was really good at the end of last year but it's not like they played any better from a wins and losses perspective when he was on the team he just he just individually played well 
I feel bad almost for McCall Bridges, who should be on the Sixers. I don't, I don't really actually think their bench is that big of a disaster because they like whoever out of Bridges and Ubre, whichever one's not starting, that's like a decent backup, okay. and then. Aaron Baines is a decent backup big. I mean, we've talked about several teams where Aaron Baines would probably be the starter. And Yeah, um, I guess I'm just looking more like at the guards. You know, it's like yeah. it's going to be a lot of Tyler Johnson. I would hope, like, Ty Jerome seemed like a very on-suns pick. Yeah, right. Like, Ty Jerome kind of a smart pick is, is what I mean by that. Definitely going to be a better pick than Cameron Johnson, I yeah. would have to guess. But um, that still doesn't justify the johnson pick so no they so this team the suns have not won more than or they have not reached 29 wins which is what they would need to hit this over since 2014-15 uh that of course compelled me to look up who which players individually not teams have been a part of the most losses over the last four seasons i asked you this um via slack a couple weeks ago but i'm do do you remember the answers yes we're we're counting games that they had they had to actually play in so booker uh, Booker was, was number there. four. He's been a part of 197 losses since the start of the 2016-17 season. The great Jordan Clarkson, number one, 222 losses. That guy knows how to knows how to lose games. Jordan Clarkson has <laughs> lost 13 more games than any other player since 2016. Yeah. Um, so Mario Hazonia, think yep, number five, Mario Hazonia. Uh, Julius Randle, yep. Julius Randle was the only one that you gave me that sort of surprised me, just because like. I guess I was underrating the amount of games those Lakers teams were losing. Yeah, um, but he must have been—he must have like sat out all the Pelicans' wins last year or something too. <laughs> um, and then let's see, number two is a, a guy who spent a lot of time with the Suns and then transferred over last year to the Hawks. Oh right, 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 a- Alex Len. So yeah. like, I didn't get any of these other than Booker, but I definitely would have gotten Len and Hazonia and Clarkson had I thought of those players I just sort of was thinking in like a tier above them in terms of just getting into games and stuff but um, Len was just an incredibly obvious one when you said that Towns has a chance to sneak into that top five he's only nine behind Hazonia so if the if the T-Wolves if and when the T-Wolves have another rough year both him and Gorgie Jang Ironman and Wiggins for that matter who's only two losses behind Towns they're all kind of sneaking up on that list so yeah, it's a who's who. Not a lot of great <laughs> players in that top 20. Towns and Booker, um, and then D'Angelo Russell. Again, underrating how much those but Lakers those teams Lakers really teams, lost. I mean, really Larry banked Nance, a lot of losses. Yeah, Larry Nance is on the list. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, even Clarkson to me was fairly surprising just because of you would have thought you know that, that Cavs team after, after the trade. I mean, he was with them for, what, almost 40 games? And yeah. Yeah, think of how many games he would have <laughs> lost had he not been traded. He would he'd be lapping the field. Okay, the Portland Trailblazers, 53 wins a year ago. This number drops all the way down to 45 and a half. Um, some extenuating circumstances, I guess, with personnel loss and then Juice of Nurkic, you know, kind of being up in the air. Uh, but they got Hassan Whiteside, so this number just really doesn't add up. I'm going to go over. I'm going to jump the gun and say I'm going over. Where are you going? I'm going under, but it's a stay away for me. And I think – so. I, I, I think what they did with the moves and like, I'm basically just talking about letting Aminu and Harkless go and replacing them with like Rodney Hood and Anthony Tolliver. Like, I think that those moves maybe up their playoff ceiling a little bit, but they lower their regular season floor because the reason they basically got rid of Aminu and Harkless is because they just couldn't hit shots in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But 
I think those guys were actually pretty key pieces for them in the regular season on defense, like just to kind of um, go guard whoever the other team's best wing slash like shooting guards were. And I mean, McCollum and Lillard aren't good defenders. Rodney Hood's not a good defender. Anthony Tolliver is not a great defender. Uh, Their best defender in backcourt slash wings, probably Kent Bazemore, and he's not scaring anyone. So I think that they are going to take a decent step back defensively. Uh, like Nurkic to Whiteside's a downgrade defensively, even with all Whiteside's blocks. He's just not like he's just this really flawed real life player. And I think, I think that, he would debate you on that. <laughs> um, so I think like Whiteside maybe hurts them until they can move off of him. I like I assume they're gonna try to trade for Kevin Love, but yep. um, I really yeah. want Blake to end up there. That would oh. be the big one. Well, you know, I mean, I still think forty five and a half in the West is still like you're asking for. I mean, a lot went right last year. I think they really overperformed uh, mm-hmm. where they should have been at um, wins and losses wise. But yeah, I mean, it's a stay away. But I, I think. This is one of those lines where Vegas kind of gives you sort of a clue in. Uh, kind of reminds me of the like Rockets line from last year, where it was just like, "Why is this so low?" But like, it was because there was just sort of natural regression mm-hmm. coming. And I think that they're the moves they made in the offseason, while they may give them a better chance to win yep. in the playoffs, I think they hurt them in the regular season. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm going over, but not by much. It, they're not getting to fifty again. I'd be really, really surprised if that's the case. Um, they lost seven of their top ten in wind shares and that's not even counting Nurkic so we'll see when he's back you know I think it's really going to depend a lot on that if he comes back and looks like he did for most of last year and he's he's able to play two-thirds or even half the season I feel pretty good about this but yeah like you said especially you look at power forward if Anthony Tolliver's not playing well then it's <laughs> I, then it's Hazonia you know then you're, you're almost out of options at that point you know you Pau Gasol, Scalabissier, I play, playing Zach Collins and Hassan Whiteside together to me is is a little bit trepidatious. I I don't know. The one guy we haven't mentioned, I guess, is Anthony Simons, who Mister Untradeable. Yeah, according to uh, the Blazers executive this past week, they they told teams to stop calling about him. Stop. They're not trading him. Look, so <laughs> we're not trading this guy, right? Yeah, he was alone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's gotten to the point where I'm just I just want to see him play now. He, he's like the expectations have never been higher for a guy who's played like 80 career minutes. Yeah, I mean, neither him or Michael Porter, one of those guys, like, they're setting a record for, like... Porter should just, on principle, <laughs> not play this year again and then really roll over the hype for it'll next be, year. It'll be like uh, Dr. Dre's Detox album, where it's yes, just like... exactly. Well, maybe it'll come out this year. But when it does come out, it's going to be <laughs> awesome. He's, yeah. Okay, so that leaves us with three more. The Sacramento Kings, 39 wins last year. This line uh, drops down a little bit. 37 and a half is the number for the Kings. I'm going under, but I I wouldn't bet it. I mean, I, I think, like, Dave Yeager did so much to sort of maximize what this team could do, at least over the first, like, 50 games of last year. And I think that they are really going to embrace the youth movement even more uh, than they did when Yeager was uh, calling the shots. I think that that um, – I mean, not every team in the West can win 40-plus games. Like, I mean, I know that – all these teams, like other than the Grizzlies and Suns, seem like they have a shot. But this is a team that I would pick probably to finish third last in the conference. And I think that it's one of those where, you know, last year we were both locking in them winning like under 20 games. They win 39 games. Like I think that it's kind of probably 
more likely somewhere in the middle there. I mean, it, all these guys just took mm-hmm. massive steps, like Fox, uh, healed, like even Bagley, like all better than expected. I think that there's probably some sort of smoothing out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that there's they overpaid like four guys substantially this this offseason in terms of yes. what they handed out. I know it's tough to get free agents to go to the Kings, but um, none of those deals are going to look good. And no. um, yeah, it's just yep. I uh, I am going over on this. Apparently, I thought I was about to say under until I checked, and apparently I'm going over. So that, going that's over. my pick. Yeah, uh, nice. I, good pick. Yeah, so I don't know why, but now I guess I'll make the case for that. I was going to say that I really hated their offseason, once again, overpaying for Trevor Ariza, which they basically did exactly what the Suns did last year, and how did that go? Not well. We need a veteran. We right. need a veteran on the wing. Well, what should we pay him? It doesn't matter. Um, Nemanja Bialica, who was in Marvin Bagley's way all of last year is still there. I kind of thought they would, you know, find a deal for him, just basically offload him. And instead of kind of clearing this massive logjam that they had at power forward, I mean, part of the reason that, you know, I mean, Marvin Bagley was like openly complaining about his playing time, despite having a pretty good rookie year all through last season. And in response to that, you bring back Harrison Barnes, who can play some four, you bring back Trevor Reza, who plays some four, you bring in Rashawn Holmes, you bring in Dwayne Dedman, like they, they loaded up in an area that I just didn't think they needed to load up. For some reason, they think Harrison Barnes is a better fit at the three than the four, which I disagree with. Uh, like, I think their best lineup is Barnes at the four, which means that Giles is on the bench, and they they paid yeah. Dwayne Dedman, like, basically starter money right. to block because he's Harry Giles. Start. Yeah, right. I don't get it. And, like, <laughs> this is a year after, or months, I guess, after they're hyping up Harry Giles as this huge value, this big steal. Why go sign Dwayne Dedman? Well, it, it almost seemed like they circled. They were like, well, we want Harrison Barnes. We want Dwayne Dedman. We want Trevor Reza. And then the, we want Corey Joseph. And then they were like, and it doesn't matter what it costs. Like, we'll literally yeah. pay them anything. Like, we need these four guys. They don't even need any of them. That, that's what's so bizarre about it. Like, those are three positions that they're pretty set at. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, all those guys are fine at the right price. It's not like I dislike Dwayne Dedman or even, yeah. like, I think Harrison Barnes. I mean, props to him for all the money he's made in his mm-hmm. career thus far and all the money he's signed up to make. But, I mean, maybe best case scenario, he's like your sixth best player, yeah. but they're paying him to be their second best player. And yeah. um, I love, I still, one of the more frustrating things to me in the NBA last year was just that Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich were on the same team because I love both those guys but they're just so repetitive that it doesn't make sense to yep. play them together that much. I really wish there was a way that um, they could flip maybe Bogdanovich into a piece that fits better, but now they're pretty much capped out. So Buddy Heald is going to be an interesting case. One of multiple players who broke out for them last year, over 20 points per game, five rebounds, you know, almost 43% from three on eight attempts per game, all around great season. Also, we found out midseason that he's a year older than we thought he was. It usually um, happens in baseball. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I guess he is technically Bahamanian, so maybe there's, you know, it's it's typical with international players, yeah. I guess. I know there's there's rumors with guys like Ibaka, Ursan, uh, plenty of others, but are they going to pay him, like, near max money? I'm, I'm not the first person to bring this up, but <laughs> what's, like, is it off the table that they might deal him midseason? Um, You're going to have to pay Fox at some point. You have good young players like i just where's this heading with brad or with uh buddy healed uh is he he's not uh, 22 is he unrestricted 
after next the summer, I believe he can be restricted, but you know somebody's gonna throw him money. Well, I just I think that they they have to just let some team put an offer sheet out there because I oh of course I think if it were up to the Kings, they would give him whatever whatever he wanted. They would just be like, all right, we we need you, like we'll we'll pay you that. But is it smart to do that though? I guess is what I'm I asking. Don't he turns that, 27 in December. Like I don't think you have to pay him as much as malcolm brogdon got this offseason like i don't you think like oh I, I think he might i think yeah that's a pretty good comp as far as where he's probably viewed all right Another well older player i mean i think a lot of the teams like he've I, I don't know how many teams are going to have that type of space and want to give it to buddy healed yeah. um like i would prefer karis lavert i think that they're in the same class um uh, so if I were to give like 80 mil over four years to a guy, like, I don't, I think Buddy Heald's fine until you start yeah. treating him like the way Harrison Barnes, like sort of right. all of a sudden the Mavericks were like, we're maxing yeah. this guy out. It's like, well, now you're missing the whole point of Harrison Barnes. Like exactly. he's not a max guy. So yep. I would hope they don't give him that money, but it feels like to me, like if I were another team, I would just be kicking the tires on Bogdan Wigdanovich yes. all day long because I think he's just – either they're underrating him or I don't know. I, I think that he's a perfect mm-hmm. guy to go uh, kick the tires on. Yeah. They just seem like they have one or two, too many guys. And that's kind of been an issue for them. But I mean, something you have not been able to say very much in the last few decades is the Kings will once again, be very fun to watch <laughs> the San Antonio Spurs, 48 wins a year ago. This number now sits at 46 and a half. They get DeJounte Murray back. Derek white looked pretty good. Trey Lyles is on this roster. Uh, how are you feeling about 46 and a half? I'm going to lock in the over. I would have, this would have been my favorite bet, even more so than the Knicks under, had they either been successful with the Marcus Morris signing or had they not had to uh, dump Davis Bertans to try to make that Marcus Morris signing happen. Basically, if you subbed out Trey Lyles for the Morris or Bertans, I would love 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 this over uh i just look at like every time anyone wants to count the spurs out like last year i think was the the one where like even a bunch of smart people were jumping off their bandwagon and just saying like there's there's no way like this team's just not that good anymore and they prove people wrong again and then you add in um Derek white in his third year uh and Dejounte murray and lonnie walker um you know, I I like the Kelton Johnson pick a ton. I don't expect him to really contribute much this year, but um, they're actually all of a sudden a, a pretty deep team. And like Demar Derozan's extremely flawed. I mean, I, I feel like people don't give him. You know, people make fun of Westbrook all the time for being overrated. I mean, Derozan's like a He's worse version of that. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but still, like people aren't hard enough on this. They're guy. they still have just all these great pieces that just they go. 10 or 11 deep that they they clearly have uh an ability to um score and defend even though the roster is just kind of confusing at first glance you look at what they were able to do last year with just really limited personnel i thought it was really really impressive i think defensively their backcourt could just be insane this year so Mm -hmm. um they their depth and their ability that they're they're kind of proven in the regular season as a team that's going to outperform expectations so i'm thinking like 49 wins for this team 
you know, I was going to go under, but just now I clicked over to Twitter and there's a video of Lonnie Walker on the Dime Uprox account hitting 13 straight threes in an empty gym. Wow. So now I'm going to go over now that I've seen that. No, so this is... So he's as good as Carmelo? He is. Better even, I think. Wow. I think Carmelo is went Car- like 15 for 16. Oh. He missed one. I'm going over. Uh, I don't have this as a lock, but it should be. I, I feel really good about this. I mean... I mean, you kind of summed it up. Like the Spurs have earned the ultimate benefit of the doubt. The last time they dipped below 47 wins, which is what they need to hit the over, was 1998-99. That was a lockout year, and they won the title that year. They would have easily gotten to 47. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's insane. The that's, run, a, that's, a, that's a crazy stat. Isn't it insane? Yeah, I started looking up. There was, I, I don't want to go through everything, but there were some teams, you can kind of guess which ones, that have only had like two 47-win seasons in the time that the Spurs have right. not dipped below 47. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable run that I, it's going to end at some point, but we've, we've really been having this conversation and people have been having it probably before us, you know, in, you know, mid two thousands or mid this past decade, you know, we were starting to talk about this decline and it just has not come. I mean, they haven't, they haven't maybe had those high end uh, type of seasons since Tim Duncan retired, but they've still been an extremely consistent playoff team. And you talk about adding a guy who everyone was ready you know, ready to break out last year in, in DeJounte Murray. He's back. Him being out kind of enabled Derek White to have like a really good season, 35-point game in the playoffs against the Nuggets. So now all of a sudden you have both of those guys. Uh, Trey Lyles, we mentioned, you know, they got almost nothing out of Lonnie Walker last year. And if, if there's any franchise that can develop a raw, you know, type of scoring talent like him, it's, it is the Spurs. So I don't know what their ultimate ceiling is when your two best players are LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. Like, I feel like there's kind of a cap on it, but yeah. – the rest of the roster, the coaching staff, the organization is so solid that this this to me probably feels like a low 50s win type of season for them. I think they're going to get the four seed, and I think the Lakers are going to get the five seed, and the Lakers are going to beat them in like four games in the first round. Yeah, not a team that's built for playoff success. I don't I don't think there's a player in the world that LeBron fears less than DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> um, no, no. I mean, they, they should just leave DeMar in San Antonio. When yeah. they come. <laughs> no, no, they switched the format, man. We're starting at home. Now. Uh, okay, final one. The Utah Jazz, 50 wins last season. Great offseason. Uh, they had Mike Conley. Now this number is up to 53 and a half. Yeah, I, I'm going over uh, – not locking it in. I mean, Vegas gave them a lot of respect with that line. Uh, but I mean, when when I when we mentioned like earlier, like the Blazers and the Nuggets, like probably outperformed what they should have done last year. The Jazz definitely underperformed. Um, just what the what their win loss record probably should have been. And then I mean, their off season was just um, really really awesome. I I love when a team just kind of comes into the regular season and the starting five is just absolutely locked and loaded. And like, it really seems to fit pretty well. Like everyone's uh, strengths and weaknesses sort of make up for uh, each other's. I mean, they, they clearly needed to add shooting. That was a huge uh, weakness for them last season. And they brought in Emmanuel Moutier. So, all good. <laughs> so mission accomplished. Yeah, check. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Mike Conley, like that that pairing of Mitchell and Conley in the backcourt is just it just is such a perfect fit because Conley's more than fine to just sort of take that sort of backseat in terms of usage and do sort of the little things hit open threes play defense and sort of let Mitchell uh run the show and um 
yeah, I mean, I think this is another team that is much, much better built to have a ton of success in the regular season than in the postseason because mm-hmm. they just, I mean, a lot of people have said this, but they, I mean, who's going to guard LeBron? Who's going to guard Kawhi? Who's going to guard Paul George? Um, pretty much nobody. So, Emmanuel <laughs> Moutier. What are you talking um, about? Yeah, I mean, I th- I could see this team, like to me, it's it's the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Clippers in some order for the top three seeds in the regular season. Um, I know you'd probably throw the Lakers in there, but um, I I think I could see those three finishing in really any order. Like if the Jazz got the one seed, I wouldn't be shocked by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I again, I think they could lose in the first round depending on on who their matchup is. So I, I didn't love their offseason or love kind of this projected top seven quite as much as other people, but I also think it, the upgrades are worth four wins that they would need to you know to go from what at times felt like a fairly disappointing 50-win season for them. I mean, they did not get over – they didn't get over 500 until mid-January, you know, after the first week of the season. I think they started like four and two, and then they were under 500 all the way um, until the 43-game mark. And, you know, really turned it on. I think that they won something like 12 of their last 15 and, and ended up being the five seed in the West. But expected win-loss was four more wins than what they finished with. And, you know, it's hard to argue. Like Mike Conley, you know, we were talking about guys you want around like, your young players. He's yeah. way up there, a guy who's easy to fit around people. I, I think Donovan Mitchell is a player that will welcome the veteran help. You know, I, I don't think he's going to care if he loses two shots a game to, to someone like Mike Conley. Um Bogdanovich, you know, kind of such a tough guy to evaluate because the numbers almost like belie what you see in person, you know, based on how he plays and whatnot, but really good fit for them. They still have, you know, like, you know, kind of these bit players like Denver has on the wing, you know, Royce O'Neal types who never seem to put up numbers, but are just really, really good at knowing their role. And, you know, I, I, I don't think this is a real title contender. I don't, I don't think you can contend for a title with Rudy Gobert or third year Donovan Mitchell as your best player, but like Denver, this team is built to win fifty to, you know, fifty-seven games. Maybe yeah. what like is that the ceiling for this team in the regular season? Like high high fifties is yeah totally in play. I mean, think of the the amount of I I think their biggest weakness last year was just Rubio's uh, inability to shoot, and like just going from him to Conley is just so huge for them because they would have like I think Quinn Snyder runs a lot of really good stuff, but it just having a Ricky Rubio out there kind of ending the possession when the ball gets skipped to him uh, like that's just so devastating and not having that guy like all their guys other than Gobert uh, maybe Mitchell's not an above average three-point shooter for his position but the other three are and you know having your one guy that can't shoot be the best defensive player in the league arguably like I mean that's Mm -hmm. just such a great way to have the pieces fit depth is it's a bit of an issue when like Royce O'Neal and yeah. like Ed Davis and Jeff Green is is kind of your bench, but um, Mello. <laughs> I think he'd rather retire than. Green. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I don't think he'd be one of those. You know, you've heard about so many guys who, you know, that inevitable story comes out in the Salt Lake Tribune where I didn't want to be traded here, but turns out Utah's pretty great. I, I think Mello would go the opposite way. <laughs> I didn't want to be traded here, and man, it's even worse than that. It, it lived up to the hype. <laughs> Uh, okay. Any parting thoughts? Any wh- which of these now? Looking at the East and the West overall, is your biggest lock of them all? The Knicks under. Yep. Same here. I, I think, think that that's, that's kind of a bad question. That's printing money. I mean, that's bad. that's really, really, Outrageous. really, really easy money. Um, that's twenty nine and a half as a reminder. Yeah. I mean, that is just that's so easy. That's so that's that's the easiest under. Uh, I mean, 
in all fairness, probably would have said something similar about the Kings under last year yeah. and would have been wrong. But um, I just, like, who is it on the Knicks that makes that deer and fox leap or the Buddy Heald leap? I mean, it was it would almost sort of have to be like R.J. Barrett as a rookie. Dennis Smith, maybe. I mean, makes that. Would you be more leap? surprised by Dennis Smith having a really good year or R.J. Barrett having a really good year as a rookie? I, I almost think I'd be more surprised by Barrett having like a really good efficient year. I, I, I just wrote today. I think he's going to have a big like counting stats year, yeah, but he's sure. going to be inefficient. That was the crazy I, thing about Fox last year is yeah. all of a sudden he became this like good three point. Yeah. And he was great from the field. Yeah. I like that. I don't see happening with either of those guys. Like it wouldn't shock me, I guess if Smith just plays a bunch of minutes and like, I mean, Moutier had like really good games for them last year. Like I think Smith's numbers could end up looking okay, but it's just going to be really, I empty. mean, Dave Yeager, that that part of the equation with the Kings, like I don't think Dave Fisdale's even close to that good of a coach. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's one where I just am salivating at it, and I don't think there's really. I mean, maybe the Nuggets over and like the Spurs over and like the Hornets under are all kind of in that mix yeah. of like next tier uh, locks. So I I marked down all the ones that you and I agreed on. Mm-hmm. The only locks we agreed on were we both locked in the Knicks under, we both locked in the Nuggets over, and we both locked in the Hornets under. So maybe those are like sort of our consensus mm-hmm. three best bets. I, I think you could put the Spurs on there too. Oh, right, right, Did right. you lock that in? Yep. yep okay. Yep, yeah. Yep. I, so I, I, there's I four. I we agreed on four locks. Uh, I think our is our biggest disagreement the Raptors or like the Lakers or – um in terms of level levels of passion in which we've been willing to argue these like I, you could even maybe throw the rockets in there Pro- probably sure. the raptors though i sure. i just don't i think they're just going to drop off I, I think that's the one we've we've really gone toe-to-toe on the most is mm-hmm. i think you're I higher on some of those role guys than i am i'm lower on you know even guys like marcus all and ibaka and lowry obviously who are, who are getting up there i i just think Kawhi's a big loss you know and they were they were able to weather it last year but i think they They've kind of been to the mountaintop and know they just know there's no way they're getting back next year and it's it's just hard to f- find that level of focus again. I feel like we we made some jokes at Kyle Lowry's expense on the last pod about how we think like it's possibly just shows up in the camp like way out of shape. But um, I kind of want to apologize to him because I I, don't. I didn't uh, remember or realize that he was playing Team USA, uh, so I would assume that's going to help him stay in relatively decent shape. He's uh, playing Team USA. Yeah. Jeez um just can't get enough hoop you know i mean just I just, a, just a gym rat it's just like you saw all those people <laughs> dropping out he's like well this might be my only opportunity here i can uh, lead team usa to a gold medal and win it. I mean, well. do you think they're gonna win the feeble world cup i know you care about this probably less than the dunk contest but uh i am not qualified to say okay <laughs> i think they still will this has some major 2004 vibes to it but i think we're gonna benefit from the rest of the world kind of being a little bit down like a lot of the best players are not playing for Australia or even Canada. From what I've heard, this is basically going to be um, <laughs> kind of just like a NBA team, like where yeah. Chris Middleton's like one of the best guys on the yeah. team. It's going to be a really. It's going to be like. It's going to basically be like the Jazz. Or yeah. the <laughs>
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.